Welcome to the Cal Poly School of Education podcast, a conversation about what it takes to prepare future teachers for the challenges and opportunities of today's classrooms. I'm Virginia. I'm Tracy. Let's chat. So before we dive into episode one, we wanted to take a quick second to introduce ourselves a little bit more and to talk about the reasons why we decided to make this podcast. Um, so I'm Virginia. I am the Assessment and Accreditation Coordinator for the Cal Poly School of Education. I manage all of our continuous improvement efforts internally and also our external relationship with the CTC. And I'm Tracy. I'm the Clinical Practice Coordinator and I support all of our relationships and partners with uh, local schools. So there's a few reasons why we decided to do this podcast. Um, one of them is the fact that we are required to provide training to cooperating teachers from the CTC, but more than that, we wanted to have a way to really create a connection between the School of Education and the teachers that we partner with and the supervisors that are out in, out in the field and just have a way to have an ongoing conversation um, about the things that they are experiencing on a daily basis and how can Cal Poly support them. And that's one of the reasons why I think it's really important for us that this podcast won't feel like a training manual and it won't feel like um, sitting through a workshop or reading the student handbook, which are all resources that can be found online. But our goal is that this podcast feels a lot more like being part of a conversation with your colleagues in the SOE. Um, and we're hopeful maybe even that we can start to include more people in this conversation um, as it goes on. Yeah, absolutely. I also want to say that there's a lot of documents that we have that we put together that has a lot of information about what clinical practice looks like, what all the different um, you know requirements are, and we wanted a way to be able to bring those ideas to life so that it's more than words on a page. It's uh, it's a live conversation. Yeah. So for this first episode of our podcast, we thought that we would take some time to talk about um, the thing that's really the core of clinical practice, which is the triad. Um, the triad is what we call the university supervisor, the cooperating teacher, and the teacher candidate working together as a triangle. Um, and one of the nice things that Tracy and I get to do is we get to collect a lot of feedback um, about the triad from surveys and from doing focus groups. Um, and we read all of that feedback and we collect and think about all of that feedback. And so our hope today was to talk about some of the things that really make for a healthy triad. Mm -hmm. um, so Tracy, you spend a lot of time coaching um, cooperating teachers and university supervisors um, and helping triads work together as a team successfully. So um, what do you think are some of the things that you notice that those healthy triads have in common? Well, one of the things that we think about when we think about the triad is the fact that all of those pieces, all of those members play an equal role um, in making that triad strong and stable. So that means that each person needs to feel like they have an equal voice. Each person needs to feel um, recognized and valued. Um, and each person then also at the same time needs to be open to hearing other opinions and ideas um, and working and collaborating um, on, on the teaching skills that candidates are learning. I would think that it would be maybe more of a 
a stretch or a learning curve for the teacher candidate, right? To, to feel like they are a co-collaborator with an experienced veteran cooperating teacher and an experienced veteran university supervisor, that maybe it's harder for them to feel like they really are an important and valued part of that conversation. So um, what are the things that university supervisors and cooperating teachers do that really help that teacher candidate to feel comfortable in that way and to feel like a co-colleague? Um, well, that really starts honestly from day one with how the cooperating teacher welcomes their candidate into their room and introduces them to the class. Um, some of the more successful um, triads that I've seen have had comments from the candidate saying, when I was there on the very first day, the teacher introduced me to the class as Mrs. So-and-so or Mr. So-and-so and just said, like, this is another teacher in the classroom who's going to be with us this year. Um, so that even the students themselves weren't necessarily aware that this, you know, was a teacher in training. Um, that as far as they were concerned, they were just lucky they got two teachers that year. Um, and for the supervisor's role, um, what's really important um, that they can do is when they're out and observing um, to listen to what the candidates are saying as far as what, how they feel things went, what they'd like to work on, and take cues from them and say, okay, well, if this is something you'd like to work on, here are some resources I can support you um, versus a supervisor who you know, may dictate that, but really let the candidate lead the way in the learning. That makes me think that maybe the other leg of the triad that could be a little bit complicated is the sharing between the cooperating teacher and the university supervisor, right? Because obviously the cooperating teacher has responsibility for the 30 some odd students in the room um, and probably has a strong sense of what those students need and safeguarding those students learning. But the university supervisor also has a responsibility to make sure that the teacher candidate is learning. Right. So how do the cooperating teacher and the university supervisor balance their needs and their interests in a good and healthy triad? I think that that all just comes down to communication and being able to express needs, being able to talk about what the priorities are for the classroom and for the students, um, and then being creative of if these if what the supervisor is expecting and wanting looks different than what the cooperating teacher wants, um, where's the compromise? How, um, you know, I think of a Venn diagram of like, here are these needs and wants, here are these, where's that little sliver in the middle um, of a strategy that can be tried that, that accomplishes both. Do the triads ever sit down and draw Venn diagrams? Because that's, that speaks to the nerd in me. <laughs> Not that I know of, but we could recommend it. I definitely <laughs> recommend it as a practical solution. Um, and, and also thinking about practical solutions, I'm imagining like emails, right? That when you're, maybe when the, the cooperating or the teacher candidate and the university supervisor are emailing back and forth and making plans and setting targets and setting goals. I know for myself, I don't like to crowd somebody's inbox with extra emails, mm -hmm. but it seems like in the case of a triad, when you really have three people who are responsible, you have to be extra mindful, right, to ensure that the communication goes to everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that is also one of the things that we see in some of the feedback that we get of um, a cooperating teacher really appreciates it when they know what that communication is between the candidate and the supervisor they know what feedback their candidate is getting. 
Um, they know what challenges they're going through, and so then they can help support that. Um, and those are the things also like talking about emails and communication of even just the logistical side of things, of making sure everybody knows, hey, I'm coming out on this date at this time. Um, and if things need to change to be flexible with that, there are definitely times where, you know, something came up on Monday and so we had to switch all of our plans to Tuesday um, and just making sure that everybody's informed about that. Um, it seems small, but it makes a really big difference for someone to be prepared. Yeah, happening. I have to imagine scheduling changes like that happen all the time, right? And when you're, you're the teacher responsible for your classroom and thinking about the needs of your students, you can make those scheduling changes without an issue. But now all of a sudden you have a teacher candidate in your classroom who is going to get observed and they're supposed to be doing a lesson where they demonstrate something around vocabulary or they demonstrate something around teamwork, but you as the cooperating teacher need to make a change to the lesson plan. And now your teacher candidate feels like their grade and their observation is going to get impacted, right? So how do you manage all of those competing needs? Um, I imagine it's delicate. It can be, <laughs> but it's important for everyone to always keep in mind the number one need is the students in that classroom and their learning. So. If something needs to be changed to support the students in that classroom, their learning, then that has to be number one. And then the candidate um, and the supervisor um, just need to be flexible with that. And that's part of it of cooperating teacher, by all means, make whatever call you need to, you need to make um, to you know, serve your students, but just keep everyone updated so they know what's going on. Um, and then, again, they can be flexible and choose to just kind of do something a little different than planned or change the date of their observation if they need to. So what are some of the other things that we hear about healthy and functioning triads that are really everybody's you know, jiving, everybody's communicating, everybody's learning and growing together? What, what are the things that we hear from our teacher candidates or cooperating teachers around some of that? I know there's a great video um, because we sent some um, a video crew out to interview right some of mm -hmm. these teams and to hear about some of the success stories that were happening and I know we collect um, survey responses from our teacher candidates where they talk about you know situations and environments that they were in that felt really healthy and strong um, do you have any that you want to share with us please I do <laughs> I was just, just gonna say I have some quotes would you like to hear them I would okay so this is from um, a supervisor sharing um, how they felt the relationship was for um, the other two in their triad. Um, so this one says, like, at the end of the student teaching experience, the students just now realize the student teacher is not a, quote, regular teacher, Aww. which I think speaks volumes about how the cooperating teacher introduced and treated the student teacher. Yeah. So there's an example of that, of how the students were set up to view them as the same. And then um, there's another one, it says their names a lot, so I'm gonna keep it anonymous, but it says, um, this teacher was a very effective mentor. He worked with the candidate on specific measurable goals and continually gave feedback relating to, the, to those goals. Because of the co-teaching nature of the placement, both the teacher and candidate taught the class, giving the candidate the opportunity to learn on a daily basis throughout the program. I love that that mentions how important co-teaching is. Um, and I know we're definitely going to dig into co-teaching more in 
future podcasts because that's really something that we can um, explore. But I think it's just important to mention that um, you know the co-teaching and tri the triad really go hand in hand, right? Mm -hmm. And if the triad is healthy and functioning well, co-teaching feels natural and it's it's very easy to do. Um, there's a quote in that video from the cooperating teachers that I loved um, where the cooperating teacher said, I slowly handed over about 50% of the class to her, the teacher candidate. Um, and now I get to be the person that kind of goes around and gets to have a little more fun with the students. We have students who are English language learners. We have students who have IEPs and 504s, and they get that personal attention that I otherwise wouldn't be able to give them um, and with someone who is going to be a fr great first-year teacher when she comes into the teaching profession. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I love that quote because in the video when you see it, and we'll, we'll put the link to the video in the show notes, but in the video when you see it, the teacher candidate just beams with such pride to hear her cooperating teacher really speak well of her in that way. And you know that when she does go in and have her own classroom, she's gonna have so much confidence because she was really treated as an equal and mm -hmm. she got to really grow and develop um, her sense of teaching style. Um, and I love that the quote also talks about how that's ultimately what's best for the students for the in the students. classroom. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's really critical. Um, we love that. We love all the happy feedback that we get to read yeah. and those those positive things. I have another one I want to share. Oh, yes, do. So the, <laughs> the other quote I was saying talked about um, having measurable goals, and it just made me um, think of how much that that's appreciated. And so that was appreciated by a supervisor. But this quote is from a candidate um, that said, my mentor teacher was fantastic. He let me try things out, guided me, and had high expectations for me in my teachings and paperwork. Hmm. And I just thought that was amazing that a candidate would really appreciate the fact that there were high expectations for their teaching and their, their paperwork. paperwork. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a realistic part of being a teacher in the mm -hmm. classroom that involves a lot of paperwork. And so I guess if the co-teaching in the triad is working well, then the teacher candidate should be involved in those things too. Yeah, yeah, I just think just like students in classrooms, when there's a high bar, they're that much more excited when they hit it. Yeah, that's very true, that's very true. Well, so what about the triads that are maybe struggling to develop that closeness? I, I would guess that happens from time to time. From time to time. Yeah, so what, um, what kinds of things can we advise the cooperating teachers and the university supervisors that if they feel like for some reason it's just hiccuping along, right? What mm -hmm. can they do or what can they kind of check or do like a pulse check maybe to figure out what's going on in that situation? Well, that's the other great part about the fact that it is a triad, that if one person is struggling or feeling some conflict um, with another member of the triad, there's a third person there that they can go to to kind of get some guidance, maybe ask for suggestions of how do I, you know, how do I resolve this? How do I approach this? Um, and so each one of those members is, is also a resource for the other two to help those relationships um, work out and just to help kind of like smooth the communication when there are bumps and gaps in there. It seems like you would also want to be careful too to not give the appearance of like teaming two-on-one, right. right? If maybe if the university supervisor and the teacher candidate have a close relationship or if the teacher candidate and their cooperating teacher have a close relationship, um, you you would want to, you know, not give the appearance that that it that it's not all three people, that all three people do matter, right, in that relationship. Mm -hmm. 
that can be tricky, I imagine. And also tricky if it's the teacher candidate feeling maybe ganged up on or struggling because they're getting different feedback from the cooperating teacher and the university supervisor. Yeah, and that definitely happens where um, a, a cooperating teacher has different expectations than the supervisor, and we've seen that of candidates saying like, I don't know who I'm supposed to be, you know, pleasing at this point in time. Mm -hmm. um, so again, that goes back to the communication of everyone being on the same page. Um, but then that also is a time to use each other as a resource, as not, um, you know, hey, get on, get on my team and let's change that person. Right. But it's, can you support me and how can I approach this situation? Um, get some guidance on what would be um, a good way to start this conversation or what are some suggestions that I can make of how to um, work around this. Um, and then, you know, really if somebody's struggling, that's when there's the program coordinators, there's myself here to help always. Um, so that way if somebody needs kind of an external person um, to kind of help facilitate those conversations or provide maybe some insight that someone's missing in order to understand the situation that we are all, there's a team of us here to help. And that's an authentic part of being a professional educator, right? Is that we all come to the classroom with different strategies that are authentic for us and different teaching styles that work for us. And then when you find yourself on a team of teachers or when you find yourself part of a school context, um, not everybody is gonna be exactly the same and sometimes mm -hmm. people won't see eye to eye. Um, and so learning how to navigate those professional relationships is really an authentic challenge. Um, for our um, teacher candidates, for sure. For sure. Uh, for everybody. That's a, I think that's an <laughs> yeah. ongoing challenge for all of us in yeah. the workplace. Absolutely. Lifelong skills yes. we're building here. Um, but it is also something that, as you said, we're really mindful to try and you know get out in front of those pieces by providing um, common language or common expectations that can help everybody be on the same page as much as possible. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why being really familiar with sort of the SOE's philosophy around clinical practice um, and the School of Ed's rubric and what we expect from the teacher candidates. Um, we have the prioritized skills that we look for and obviously other skills matter too, but we have the 17 that the School of Ed has chosen to prioritize for this phase in the teacher's development. Um, so those things, just being familiar with all of those pieces can help to create that common communication and common language for the triad to be successful. Yeah, absolutely, and that's one of really the recommendations of, you know, it's not always possible, but when it is, whenever a supervisor is out observing and then has their um, conference with the candidate afterwards, if the teacher candidate can be part of that, um, they can not only, you know, hear what that conversation is, but they can provide their own feedback um, and, and their input. And I know there are times where supervisors will be asking specifically um, for the cooperating teacher to, to share with them because they are the ones who are seeing that candidate the most and they are the ones who are seeing the growth day by day um, and can really provide valuable information on um, you know what's succeeding, what needs work, um, and where the candidate needs to go next. I think that's a really good suggestion and, and it strikes me as being different from my own student teaching experiences, this idea that it's three people sitting down together to talk about the feedback 
um, for the teacher candidate. And I know we're going to get more into feedback in our next podcast episode, mm-hmm. um, but I think it's this is a good opportunity to just say that you know the whole feedback structure, the idea of three people sitting down to reflect together, um, and and that being part of the triad is really a core to the way that we approach feedback in the School of Ed and in our clinical practice programs. I was just thinking, I have an example of a time for myself when I really learned like a difference in communication. Ooh, I want to hear about it. (laughs) I, once upon a time, had a supervisor. And when I first started working with this person, I just, there were times we would have a conversation or have a meeting, and I was like, I don't understand what's happening here. Like, why... I feel like we're not speaking about mm. the same thing, even though we're using the same words. Yeah. Um, and it was a lot of times around, like, she would kind of ask me questions about things, and I would think about it. And, you know, if there was an issue, and she would be like, oh, have you thought about this? Or do you think you might handle it this way? And I would think about it and kind of give my response of, like, oh, yes, I think this part would work, but I also want to do this. Um, And it took me a while to figure out why that wasn't working, and that wasn't working because I realized that my supervisor, when she was asking me a question, she was actually giving me a directive. Mm. So when she was saying, do you think you might do this, what she was saying was, do this. (laughs) (laughs) And so once I learned that, things got much better because then when she said, do you think you might do this, my answer was, Yes, I will do that. Mm. <laughs> I think that's a, an excellent piece also for our feedback episode about the importance of direct communication and direct yeah. feedback to our candidates. Yeah. Um, well, I think we've gone through a lot today. Um, before we conclude, is there anything else you want to mention or suggest for triads to help them develop strong and engaged partnerships? Yeah, well, I just think it's important um, to remember that in order for that triad to be as effective as possible, all three members really need to be fully present and engaged. Um, There are times when somebody may not be engaged because they are checked out and not really into this process, maybe feel like it, you know, this stuff doesn't necessarily apply to them. Um, or somebody could not be engaged because they're not open to hearing other ideas that they're going to do what they're going to do. Um, and really, the best possible experience for not only the candidate, but for the students in that class is when all three people are engaged, really present, and open to listening and collaborating with each other. That's when it works the best. Teaching is a constant act of grace and flexibility and humility, and this is really no different. (laughs) That's perfect. I think that's a great place to end our chat for today. Um, Before we conclude, I wanna mention we threw out the names of a couple of different documents, the protocol, the rubric, Um, we mentioned a video. We're gonna be sure to put all of those things in the show notes, and they're also on the SOE website at soe.calpoly.edu. We'll also always be sure to include other resources that we might think of after the fact that could be related to a day's topic. Um, And we wanna remind you that this is supposed to be a conversation, and so we hope you will send us your comments, your questions, um, so that we 
can um, integrate your ideas either into a future episode or maybe in reflecting on this episode. Um, so thank you very much for listening and we will catch you next time. Mm-hmm.